Hi everyone, it's EJ here. I'm coming at you on Friday, March 19th, and the episode you're about to listen to was recorded on Monday, March 15th, Eastern Standard Time. On March 16th, Eastern Time, there was a mass shooting in the Atlanta area where Asian women were targeted. And it feels a little weird to be publishing this episode where we don't address that because it was recorded prior to the shootings. But also I felt that it was somewhat relevant because in the beginning of the episode, I do discuss being a woman and oftentimes feeling unsafe. So please have a listen to this. I promise we will address the Atlanta shootings in our next episode. It is something that is really affecting us to our core. And um, I just want to thank everybody for listening in and enjoy the episode. Hi guys, welcome to those Koreans from Guam. It's EJ. And June, half a day and 안녕하세요. Hi, how are you? Good, good. Um, so I have, I, I feel like I have a stalker. Uh-oh. And I, I want to talk about this because I want to lead into something. I'm saying this with an agenda, but this is really true. Um, there's this phone number that called me a few times a couple weeks ago. And mm-hmm. I thought it was spam. It's a number I've never seen, but it's very similar to my phone number, actually. Like the first, the area code and the first three digits are the same. And I thought it was spam because I get a lot of spam calls that look kind of like my phone number, but it kept calling and calling and I didn't pick up. And then um, in the middle of the night, like two, three in the morning, my phone kept buzzing. And this person kept calling like twice, hanging up, calling twice, hanging up. I couldn't even pick up. I would have picked up and been like, stop calling at that point. But he like called, hung up, called, hung up, called, hung up. Like I couldn't even pick up because they just kept doing that. It was like a harassing kind of thing. And then, and then I was like, what? And then I got kind of scared. I blocked them from my phone, but my computer is a Mac. So it's connected to my iPhone. So I don't get any alerts on my phone, but when I come back and open my computer, I have like missed FaceTime calls from this phone number. And so they FaceTimed me at least three times and I missed it obviously. And it just goes to my computer. So it still shows that they're trying to get through to me, even though I don't get the alerts on my phone. Mm -hmm. I don't know who it is. And I just told Tree like right now, and he thought it was kind of funny. And I'm like, why are you laughing? Like, this is kind of scary. And he's like, yeah, I guess. Like, can you block them on your computer? And I said, well, I haven't figured out how, but as far as I can tell, I don't think I can block them on my computer. And my computer doesn't ring or anything, but when I come back to it, it just shows a missed call, like a missed FaceTime call. Um, and I don't know who it is. What and, the heck? Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I just wish I could have picked it up because at two or three in the morning, I could have been just like, shut up, stop calling me. I'm not who you think I am and hung up. But I couldn't because when they were doing that call, it was a ring, hang up, ring, hang up, ring, hang up. And I, I, I don't know. And I don't want to engage with whoever this is. And when I looked up their information on FaceTime, they have a, um, a username. So I could see their username for their Apple ID, I guess. I don't know what it is, but which means they should be able to see mine too. And they should know that I'm probably not who they're looking for because I don't recognize the name, um, but it could just be an alias. Anyway, 
it's a little scary. Um, but it's like cyber stalking, which feels a little less scary. But nowadays you could like find someone's location using electronic devices and stuff. So it is still a little bit scary, but I don't know who it is. I, I have no idea who it is. That is super weird. Yeah. Holy cow. Yeah. And I was just sitting here setting up for this call and I was thinking about it and like, you know, my husband kind of chuckled and I was, I was thinking to myself and I'm like, you know, I wonder if he's ever felt like unsafe, you know, as a woman, oh, yeah. as a woman, you yeah. know, I'm, you might've seen social media stuff circulating this week because of what happened in the UK with that woman. But, um, you know, there's been plenty of times I've walked around with keys between. Yeah, actually, uh, um, yeah, actually, I, I, I don't know what happened because I'm not on social media. Oh, right. so. so this woman went missing. She's like 33, I think. And she went missing and she was found dead. And um, a cop, a former cop, or actually maybe an active cop ha has been arrested. But it's kind of this whole, and she's a white woman. I mean, you know, it's not like she's a minority or anything. And there's a lot of race issues going on right now, but it's not one of those. It's more of a woman issue. And it's kind of bringing up the topic of, and this is a topic that's just normal for most women, but I guess maybe men don't always think about it, how how unsafe we feel. So I, think, I think it kind of, it might, I mean, this is not the same thing, but it reminds me of how when uh, for most black families in the United States, when their kids get to a certain age, they have to be sat down and given a certain talk yeah. and all the, and all black people in the US know what that talk is, right? Yeah. They have to let them know like, you know, and, it, and it's, I almost feel like if I had to give that talk, I, I don't know, it would be heartbreaking for me as a parent to, to tell my kids that, you know, um, you know, you don't want to tell your kids the world is against you, you know, but at the same time, you have to give them survival skills because of the reality of how things are, right? So, it's a way to keep them safe. Even, you know yeah and even I'm, I'm like even if you know and i think most black families are you know they're 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 the same as any other family in the u.s they're just normal families and you know like they're not i just hate how certain portrayals of like or certain like 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 prejudices or certain like thoughts of when people think of black families, they automatically picture a ghetto, like, or like a impoverished area and the father not being home and kids having guns and selling drugs on the, you know, corner of the street. And which is not true, you know what I mean? Those things are sensational like minority of the black population is like that, but it's sensational and it's exciting. So that's why it's shown in TV shows, movie theaters and rap videos, because it's like exciting things entertain and entertainment sells, right? But it, it has like this weird, it has like a negative effect where it, so I'm, well, the point I'm trying to, sorry, I'm going on a tangent, but the, the point I'm trying to get it is you have to, because of you know certain perceptions that people have, 
it affects um, the way, you know, like, like the police interact with black children, right? They, they see them as, one, they see them as adults. They don't see them as children. Two, they see them as criminals, criminal adults, or even dangerous if they don't criminals. see them as criminals, danger, they, 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 have a, they have a danger. So it causes overreaction, even if they may not be overtly capable racist, right? They might, they, they still have that fear. So, you know, you have to have that, you know, they have to have that talk with your children. Like, listen, if a police officer pulls you over, don't make any sudden movements with your hands. You know, talk slowly, be polite. Don't put your hood over your head. Take off your head. You know, like you, they have to give them these survival skills so that the prejudice of the police isn't activated and their children are killed, right? Or shot down or whatever. And I feel like it's the same kind of, it's not the same because it's not the same, but I feel like, 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 you know, I feel like Black Americans have this danger, right? They have their, they have to be prepared. They have to be taught certain survival skills. So these things don't happen to them. And I feel like the same is with, with women, you know, uh, well, the same thing it's actually women. very, it's actually very different. And, and it's same yeah. in that we feel unsafe, but it's actually very different because the portrayals that you just described of Black Americans and how, you know, there's always been this image painted of them, of them being dangerous, being savages, back to the right. slave era, whatever. Women, right. just for being women, we are faced with a lot of danger. Walking around as a woman, it's actually really sometimes terrifying after a certain hour. What am I wearing? And you know what? None of that, when does a man ever walk around being afraid? But this, this transcends race. It's across, and you're going to have to, or, or somebody's going to have to talk to your daughter about this too. Like the key trick, walking around with keys between your fingers. You right, have so to, that's, that's, yeah. You know, like there's so all this stuff, it, yeah. like, but it doesn't come from the police viewing us a certain way or, you know, right. society viewing us a certain way other than we're weak and there are men out there who are going to be, you know, basically they're predators and they're out to get us for no reasons other than they think we're weak and they can overcome us. There's a power thing. I don't know why people rape, but people do. And it's it's very scary. And I think that, um, and I want to tell a story of when I was, I, I haven't felt this unsafe in a while, but when I, there was a period of time I lived alone. I lived alone for nine months as an adult because I went straight from the um, college dorms to moving in with my boyfriend, now husband, but we, we took a break. There was like a nine month period where we didn't live together. And during that time, my super, who was a married man who had young kids, um, my super, he had like a little electronic store down the block, but he also um, worked on our building. Um, you know, the landlord paid him money to take care of the building. So my super and also my landlord within the same month actually um, started like hitting on me. And it wouldn't have been so scary if they didn't have keys to my apartment. 
right? Because they right. have keys to my apartment. And right, so that's completely inappropriate. Like not, I mean, a, like, but it's it's everyday in reality. In so many because, ways, in so many ways, it's inappropriate. But you know what? Then I shared this with one of my childhood best friends, who was living on the other side of the country in Southern California. And she goes, actually, I'm dealing with the same thing right now with my landlord. It's extremely, right. extremely common. Women who right. live alone are subject to this stuff. And so you, I said, what do I do? They could come into my apartment and install cameras. I wouldn't know. And it was really right. scary for me. Or they could be hiding in my apartment when I come home from work. Um, right. And so what I did, there, someone told me, put tape on your door. So put scotch tape on your right. door to because you'll know if someone in. broke in. And so I did that. But these are the things. And I, my husband, during that period of time that we were separated, I doubt he had worries like that. I doubt it. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. And, so, yeah. So what, what else? Like, so with, with, with like the things that, you know, Black Americans go through, like, I, like they're, they're, it's completely different. But I'm, what, what I was trying to say is that what, what's similar is that if you're not part of that group, if you're not a woman or if you're not black in America, then you don't, you, you, you take it, you take certain things for granted. And that's what we call privilege. I think, I don't know if privilege, it's just like such a triggering word for some people because I don't think people really understand what that word means. When they hear privilege, they like, I think a lot of people imagine like, like, people saying that I wear a crown and I wear like golden shoes and and people are like I don't have privilege I don't have a crown or and that's not what we're saying what what we're saying what we mean by privilege is that you have the privilege of not having to worry about um, getting shot when being pulled over for a traffic stop or you don't have to worry about the landlord, you know, coming into your apartment because you're a female and doing God knows what, you know what I mean? Like, that's what we mean by privilege. Absolutely, and I think that um, people get very defensive, especially with race, people get defensive. But when I say, you know, I bet my husband didn't have to worry about that when he was living alone. I'm not saying it's his fault. It's not his fault that he didn't have to experience that. It's the privilege he has as a man. And I don't hate him for it. I don't resent him for it. And that's where people need to understand whether we're talking about race or gender, when we talk about privilege, like white privilege, we're not saying it's your fault as a white person. It is historically something that the white race has done, but it is not specifically white person in 2021 pointing fingers at them, their fault, unless they're staying silent, unless they're enabling the racism and not taking advantage of the fact that they're privileged so they should help speak up for those who are disenfranchised, who are being victimized by the system. Um, that's what privilege means. It's, it's not an accusatory thing. And people get defensive because they think it's an accusatory word and it's not. Although, although I will say that it's, kind of, uh, I, this is the problem I have with liberals. I think they choose words that kind of give them a, 
like a ha, I told you so type of attitude more than a, I'm here to educate you about this. Because most problems with privilege is, I, I feel the biggest problem, there are deniers, but I, I feel like they're, they're less deniers than there are ignorant people. I think the biggest problem is just not being aware of privilege or not being aware of the lack of privilege. So I, the problem isn't really the privilege, I, I think, because the privilege is, is, I feel like that's supposed to, that's what's supposed to be, that's what's supposed to be normal. The mm -hmm. problem is the lack of privilege for certain groups. Yeah. Yeah. I think we all that, have, we that, should all have the privilege to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. But not all of but us. But when you say it like that, most people will agree. They'll understand. But when you just come up and go, oh, that's because of your privilege. That's when it turns like, you know what I mean? And especially if someone has a, maybe a right-leaning or conservative attitude and you say it that way, then it's like, then there's no conversations to be held because now you just put them on the defense. Yeah, yeah. And I, 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 it's frustrating when I see that. And I, I want to explain it in such a way where like, you know, rather than get defensive about it, be part of the solution. But you're yeah, right, it's it just, is just hard a, for people to it's understand. Just, it's just, it's just full, so frustrating for me as a, like, uh, well, I haven't practiced or read anything in in more than a decade. So, but, you know, at a, at a certain point in my life, I do have a bachelor's degree in philosophy. Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, we, we, we go in and we try to use the most precise words or wording or phrases as possible because we're discussing what we feel are important subjects, right, in our life. And I feel like, I don't know if there, I don't know who it is, or I don't know if there's a certain person that comes up with certain phrases, but I feel like liberal phrases are not as effective as they could be. Mm -hmm. And that's why, like, the term privilege, that like defund the police. Uh -huh. I mean, I feel like more people will actually get behind the idea of defund the police if it wasn't called defund the police. <laughs> the police, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I just, it's just, I, I feel like you have to. I I know why they do it, because like I do it too, but. When I do it, I it's it's a way of just kind of like attacking, you know. Yeah. Like the like, police did yeah. this, so you know the like we're mad at the police. We're so we're gonna call it defund the police. Ha! How do you like it now? You yeah. know, instead of like instead of calling it what it is, is like redistribute the community funds or you know call it something that it that more accurately is what it is not don't call it something to to like get one up on the you know shouting match or whatever you know yeah and it, it's fighting fire with fire and i think what's happened is once they committed to that and that became such a catchphrase it's hard to backpedal on that because once they backpedal on that it looks weak like oh 
they're, they're they don't really have a position on this so once they've made that and put that out there they kind of have the people who did that have to stand by it but i agree that it what it's, it's a very problematic phrase because it's actually turning away a lot of people that you can educate like you were saying there's a lot of not only that who don't not only that but not only that but you're turning away a lot of people that actually agree with you exactly yeah yeah totally totally you know what i mean like yeah. it, it's it's just so funny how like a lot of people a, a lot of the people who just automatically like are against bernie sanders right mm -hmm. because they have this preconceived notion as to like oh socialist you know old ussr that's what he wants take our freedom away bernie sanders equals take our freedom away yeah you know what i mean but when you actually like if you don't use the name bernie sanders and you come up with like the policies or 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 the bills or whatever that he's trying to pass and you don't tell them the name you just describe would you be uh what do you think about you know i don't even want to call it this because because you know i'm not even gonna call it universal health care but you call it you don't call it whatever you just read the bill you just describe okay so this is what's going to happen it's going to be uh medicaid for uh not just for like 60 and up but it's going to be for uh uh we're going to pass this law that uh within three years it's going to be for 50 and up and then the next three years it's going to be for 40 and up until we get it down to like all americans of a certain age or all residents of a certain age uh get the same medicare that's already in place to be given for 60 and up right and yeah. you went around to every southern state and you you asked them how do you feel about this policy i guarantee you 95 percent of those people will be like that sounds like a great idea who came up with it trump that's what they would say right and then you would go no actually the one who wants to do this is bernie sanders and they'll be like really what that communist you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah so it, so it, it i just i don't know it's just sometimes it's just frustrating to be a liberal because you see how it's like they're shooting themselves in the foot by they're like sacrificing you know like effective movement you know effective change for the clout almost yeah yeah i don't really know what it is about the liberal movement but it always feels sort of i feel like conservatives don't really try to win over the liberals they kind of stand where they are and they're like deal with it but i the problem i have with the liberals is I feel, and it's always been like this. I read an article that it's always been like this, even before I was born. It's, they're always trying to make a case for the conservatives to come over to this side. And- You know, the reason, but that it, it, it makes total sense that it's like that because it's the liberals that are trying to change things. And yeah. it's the, most of the time, and it's the yeah. conservatives that are trying to keep the status quo. Yeah. And so I think that they do that. And um, because they're the party that does that, I think there's a lot of 
defensive walls up for a lot of completely smart, normal conservatives, but they have this wall of defense because it's almost like they don't want to hear it. I don't know. I, I just, I've, I saw that a lot, like the last, the whole Trump thing since Hillary, like it's, it's like they don't even want to hear it. They, they spit out buzzwords, communists and, you know, like liberals and socialists. And then like all this like fear mongering, but it's like they have no idea what's behind those words. It's just their defensive wall. And I don't. But the, but the, but the thing is, but, but the liberal phrases don't help that. They don't. Is what I'm saying. They don't. They don't. Um, well, yeah, certain phrases, especially in recent times with, um, with the uh, defund the police is a big one, but you know, whatever, when they go like Medicare for all or universal healthcare and universal healthcare is actually not that scary of a word, but during the Clinton administration, Hillary worked very hard for universal healthcare and everyone on the other side hates Hillary. So you hear universal healthcare even before Bernie Sanders, Hillary was really the trigger for that. And I think it sort of has that history of just like, oh, those liberals are trying to take over and do this and ruin us. And, and then after Hillary, it was like, Obama, Obamacare is the worst thing. Once Obamacare happens, the whole country's gonna fall apart, but they can't tell you why. If you say, why, why, why would they? And they're just like, they, they spat out a bunch of nonsense. I mean, it's-, it's The thing it's, that- They just the run out- irony. The irony that I see is that these liberal, so-called liberal policies, like the people that they help the most, the states that they help the most mm -hmm. are the red states. Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. You know, yeah. And it's just, it's just kind of like how, <sighs> somebody explained it to me I mean, I read this thing how there's this, um, it's, uh, it's a Hispanic person and uh, he grew up in a small town in the South and he was the only uh, Hispanic, you know, like family in that town. And I read and this, he, I know what you're saying, yeah. <laughs> he noticed certain things where like, it's a matter of keeping up appearances, yeah. right? So even if the Medicare, the welfare and these things, even if you receive it, you can't let your neighbors know you do. So vocally- There's a big shame about to, being poor. It's like the stigma of being poor is so- Yeah, not just being poor, but being poor and white. Being yeah. poor and white. There, there's a yeah. huge burden in the white community to not appear poor. Mm -hmm. I didn't know that. I, I didn't know no that idea. if I read this article that you're talking about. I read that too. And I was like, oh, that's really interesting. So the, so the term keeping up with the Joneses, mm -hmm. that's a very white American thing, I believe, or it's a very American thing maybe because I never understood it. But mm -hmm. after reading that, I was like, oh, they have, they have some kind of a, amongst the white community, they have some kind of a social, like they have like a thing, mm -hmm. right? And it, and it causes them to, I don't know, be against the welfare they need. You know that, I mean, I understand that. And I relate to that growing up as a Korean on Guam. I feel like our community has a lot of that too. There's very- um, Oh yeah, that's true. That's, 
Yeah, and that's very true. But I, I will say, I, I won't say I, I don't. Okay, I take that back. It's not just a white community. It's, it's all communities that have the keeping up with the Joneses. But I think I just didn't never understood it because my family, my parents were not like that. Like my parents, like I feel like we're like, I don't know if this makes sense, but I feel like our family is like almost like the loner family. We're like, um, it's just like my mom, she kind of like keeps to herself. She like, she doesn't, you know, she doesn't meet the other moms as much as they meet each other, right? Like my dad, um, this is something that's pretty like, I didn't really realize how incredible this was until I got older, until I was an adult. Mm -hmm. But like, my dad would come straight home after work every day for my whole life. Wow. I don't really? remember, I don't remember one day that he went out. Not one. Wow. He came really? Straight home. He came straight home at five in the day, like, you know, in the, in the daytime. And he just spent the rest of the day with his kids. When he was like, when you were like really little? Yeah. And when I was very little, I don't, there's not, I don't remember one instance of him going out ever. Wow. That's amazing. Cause my dad partied. Well, I, mean, like, I think every, every, everyone did though. Every, but yeah, I didn't I mean, know that because he came home I thought all, all the, the yeah. Yeah. I thought, I thought all the other parents did what my dad did because you don't know when you're a kid, you only know what your dad does. Yeah. And then when you get older, you're like, oh, all the other dads, none of them did that. <laughs> so, no. Yeah. My so. dad was barely home when I was little. And then he got diabetes when he was 40. So he had to tone it down a little, but I, I find it interesting. You call it the loner family. I understand why you're saying that a little bit, but also like they're still in the community. Like they're part of the crew that like the yeah, moms that go travel is, and the moms yeah. that do lunch every month. No, Your mom's part of that. They do. They no, they, they're part of that. But so this is another thing I realized when I got older is that like, they don't care and they don't, they don't, they never let, or even if they, if they did, they never let on to us, to their kids that they care. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if that makes sense, but it makes sense. And it makes me very, um, I think it's pretty fucking cool. Okay. Because yeah, so I think it's much really cool. Of what my, <laughs> well, because coming from my perspective and knowing my mom and she's a pretty independent person, but there's so much that she's like worried about like, Oh, what if, so-and-so sees this and so-and-so yeah, hears yeah. about this and there's so much of that and it's like yeah. dude you're like almost 70 years old who gives a shit is what i want to say but well i did i didn't i didn't know about that until my other you know like mutual friends mutual korean friends would mm -hmm. tell me and i'm like and i would always be like what do i really really because like i like this is, I, I think this is very unique about our families. Like, I really don't think my dad gives a shit. And I really don't think my mom gives a shit about how anybody perceives us. That's so nice. And it must be nice. And you don't know this. And their children. 
and and their children like both of them don't give a shit how anybody well, looks at their you, children you've lived your life with parents like that so you don't maybe understand but there's a certain there's a huge freedom you have that most of us don't have because we're always living under this like microscope and because my mom cares and my dad maybe less so i'm not sure about my dad but like uh, it must be so liberating but not liberating because you were never under the confines of it but it must be so free to like live with parents who don't care about that stuff because it's like it's oppressive growing up like that it's like oppressive the whole like what gonna think and it's so nice that you didn't have that that's i'm jealous to be honest yeah i did i did and like i said i didn't even know how lucky i was until i got older <laughs> yeah and and you know what they they managed to take that attitude but still be a part of society. They're still friends with yeah. all those moms. Your dad went yeah. to a university where all the alumni kind of hang out, like, and are yeah, all yeah, friends yeah. and yeah. all of that. And, but yet they don't like fall into that social trap. It's a trap. You know what it is? You know what it is too? I, I feel like the, I, I don't know. I really, I honestly don't know what it is, but yeah, they would never, like when I got expelled from school, they never, they never even hinted that they even gave a crap about what anyone else thought. Right. They were just upset at what was going on with you maybe, or like they were dealing with the actual problem. They weren't worried about what is so-and-so's mom going to say. When yeah, they yeah, they, yeah, they no. did not. Right? It was not even on the like radar or whatever. Right. Yeah, they just always had that attitude. I think for my mom, it's just, it comes from like, I don't know, she's just like a hippie where she doesn't care. She takes a pair of scissors, she cuts her own hair. She's never bought a designer bag in her life. She never, not because she thinks it's bad or, or she looks down on that or anything like that, but because she really like doesn't, is not interested if that makes sense. And doesn't like, isn't interested in keeping up that appearance. And just for context, just so people know, these women that June's mom like lunches with all keep up with their appearances. All have like well, they're all very wealthy. They're all they're not all necessarily. Wealthy. You know what? My family wasn't wealthy, but whatever money my mom could save up, she freaking bought a Chanel. Like she would do that kind of shit. And well, it's a very Korean thing too to yeah. like when you when you go, and it's funny because uh, I, 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 you know, I stopped by one of their lunches one time for something like maybe to like pay the lunch or something or yeah. whatever it, it, what it is when I, you know, was first successful with my business or whatever it was, you know, and like, you know, it's just one of those things. And then, and when, and I showed up and like, it's so funny because like they all knew that, you know, I was, I was, I was buying lunch that day or whatever. And and like, you know, like everyone was like, you know, everyone's very well dressed and their hairs are well done and everyone has like a very expensive bag and everything. And you see my mom and she just looks like a college kid. <laughs> she has like jeans, t-shirt. <laughs> she has like fucked up short hair because she cuts her own hair because she doesn't want to go to the salon. Not because, I mean, we're not, you know, we're not poor. We can like 
fourth of things, but like, like she's just a hippie, you know. She's just a super like hippie rebel, like you know person. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, yeah, revolutionary. She, she makes and her she own just, rules. Like, yeah. So she spends all her money on books. Like my house is just fucking stacked with books because she's always been an avid reader and like she spends she ne- she ne- she has no jewelry. She has zero jewelry. Like if my dad attempted to buy her any jewelry, she would lose her shit because yeah. she thinks it's a fucking waste of money. Right? Because you know, like it's, it's, the thing is like the kind of book she reads, she reads a lot of like Buddhist stuff. She reads a lot, you know, just like like stuff like that, you know, and she's like has that hippie mindset and she just thinks it's a waste and it's it's not that it's not that she hates it or like she hates anyone else who likes it, but personally it's like don't waste my money on stuff that I'm not interested in. Right. So and then but I would say that you know she spent uh like maybe the equivalent amount in travel. Oh yeah, so, she loves traveling. That's yeah. right. So, yeah. You know, it's not like, I'm not saying she doesn't have, I'm not saying she doesn't spend money. She spends money, but just on different things, you know. She, she just finds importance in certain things more than others. And I think that she follow. you know, what I like about her is- She was Gen Z before Gen Z. <laughs> yeah. She's totally Gen Z. She, she, you know, marches to the beat of her own drum. Yeah, there we go. There she we go. doesn't judge other people who don't march to that beat. And that's the difference, right? Because most of the Korean community is I march to this beat and I'm judging all those people who don't march to this beat. Whereas your mom's yeah, like, this is my yeah. thing. This is my thing. I'm not judging any of my friends that they're not as well read or they don't travel as much yeah. or they yeah. buy things that I think like to me would be a waste of money, but they like it. Like she doesn't judge them for that. She just lives by her own rules. Like that's so cool. Yeah. And it's and what's funny is when other when other moms get whatever the new Lexus or get the new whatever, like she's like genuinely excited. Like she's excited for them. She's happy. She's like, oh, yeah, she's happy. She's genuinely happy. And that's where I think I get it. I get that from my mom where like I feel lucky to have like received that from my mom where like like, I don't have, like, that hate. I, I don't feel, like, envy or jealousy towards people's success. Like, I genuinely feel like, oh, word, that's, you know, and I think I get that from my mom. Like, what? He, he did how much for what? I'm like, that's badass, you know? Like, Yeah, that's, and uh, you know what? I think that's something that even if we're not born or nurtured or grew up in an environment like that, I think it's important. It's a human trait that I think a lot of us have to strive for if we don't have that already. It's not letting other people's success be something that brings you down. Like you could be happy for someone else's success and be successful yourself. It's not, you know, it's, and some would say karmically, it actually brings you more to do that and to not judge other people because they don't like the same shit as you. Like everybody likes different shit. Everybody has their own journey and their own life path and their own hobbies. And it's, fine. It's cool. Everyone do their own thing. Be happy for your friends, you know, and just enjoy each other. And, 
you know, and celebrate your differences, but you don't all have to be the same pod people, like the same people. And I feel like, you know, there, there was a pressure growing up for me to be like one of the, those pod people. We had to be like everyone else or we had to try and be like everyone else. And it's, it's a lot of pressure and it's unnecessary and it's just unnecessary stress. And so I feel like you're, you're very lucky and you clearly acknowledge that yourself that you didn't grow up around that kind of pressure or that kind of mindset, which I think is a wonderful gift that your parents gave to you and your brother, for, for real. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I will have to say this, you know, I, I agree. <laughs> yeah, well, with that said, I think we're um, right at the end of our episode. So this episode kind of went everywhere. Um, which is a good thing, which is a good thing. It was fun. Um, But thank you guys so much for joining us, everyone. And we'll catch you next time. All right. Later, guys. Thank you.